Fright Fights Podcast starts now. So guys, we are back again this week with another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Uh, how are you guys doing today, Tyler, Mike? Hey, what's up? Hello, hello. Doing good. That's your signature now. Hello, hello. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Matthew, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> Chris, I like it whenever you come on, like, randomly. I, Chris is, like, really, really good at introductions, I've always learned, whenever it's, like, completely off guard. Like, you have to, like, be the game yeah. something and kind of be talking. He's like, what is up, guys? And welcome back to <laughs> Fight Fights. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris. Yeah. If, what if we're like, yeah. oh, if I'm scared, if you tell me to do it right now, I'd fuck it up. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to start recording, Chris. Go ahead. And it's like, hi, guys. Welcome to Fights, Frights, or something like that. I don't know. Have you guys, uh, I know me and Mike watched this uh, earlier today, but Tyler, have you checked out the Halloween Horror Nights for the Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I have not, no. I know that they... I know, like, some of the other houses they've announced, like Halloween's house, they announced, what is, like, The weekend has a house there, and a few other things, but I'm not seeing the most recent announcement. The last I've heard was, like, yesterday, the ones they announced. Yeah, so they, they made a video of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and it's a real, like, three-minute video of these guys getting out of a car and getting in, having an encounter with the killer clowns. It's actually really well done and it fits right in with the original, like the film. You feel like it's right out of that movie. It's really good. It's really, it's really cool. It's yeah. comical in a way, but really cool. But I do want to mention, um, if we're going to dive straight into news, I want to talk a little bit about the announcement of, uh, do I want to mention this? Saw 10. Oh yeah, I saw that. How do you guys feel about the software. Okay, uh, here's the thing. You talk to even people who were like a huge fan of the Saw series um, way back in the day, like when it first came out, it's been like, what, almost 20 years now, it's been like 18 years. And they were like, wow, it's so great because we have this brand new kind of like horror villain that we can look up to, Jigsaw and the kind of like the iconic clown. Um, and the thing about that is to me, it, yeah, it was great. It was really cool. And just like all the other series that gets kind of exhausted after a while, you know, we've we've seen like, what, like 10, 11 Jason films and plus a bunch of fan films. We see 10 different um, Halloween films coming out. But now that we see 10 Saw films come out in what seems to be like a very short radius of time compared to the other kind of like, you know, more strung out series, I guess you would say, that's been out for decades and decades. Are they like, what are they going to be doing? Like, is this going to be necessarily a entry that kind of like takes every single Saw adaptation and puts it into like a brand new 10th movie? Or are they going to try to like forget some of the, you know, the, the sequels and like some of like the other entries that wasn't associated with the direct sequels? I don't understand exactly what they mean by Saw 10. And I don't think no one really knows the exact answer to it. But I think at this point in time, where we're at with the horror industry as well i'm not for sure if saw can quite be like successful anymore i guess you would say because as you saw that series you know saw came out people liked it saw two doubled the numbers of saw one saw three was absolutely huge people started like 50 50 in the series around saw four 
And then from Saw 5, which was a fucking travesty of a movie. I hate Saw 5. Um, Saw 6 got fun, but then no one watched it. They ended up canceling it after Saw 7. And then what? We get like a Saw 10th anniversary comeback to theaters, which no one watched. Literally, I worked at a theater. I think Chris, yeah, me and Chris were both working that weekend with whenever um, the Saw 10th anniversary came out. And the general manager of the theater, it got to the point where he was like, you know, this is going to be really, really big because it was coming out the Friday before Halloween. And I remember on Friday night at the 7 p.m. rush, there were like two people in a 375 seat auditorium. And I'm like, man, is this really where the series is going to? And I, you see those numbers come back. Um, critically, no one likes it anymore. It seems like, um, you know, overall box office wise, no one likes it anymore. So it's just like, do we really need a 10th Saw movie? I personally am curious, but I kind of could live without it, to be honest. So I was gonna ask what you guys think about Saw coming back for the gazillionth time. I'm okay with them coming back. I mean, the first movie is obviously the best. And they gradually got worse as they went along. It was, you know, each entry just got less and less uh, entertaining and just made less quality and just all around just not fun films to watch. Obviously, they're they're more like a the brutal style, so they're not supposed to be fun, fun. But the Jigsaw character is what really made those fun. And whenever you started taking that away from it, it, it got worse and worse. And uh, to the point to where that last one that came out, the the Book of Saw, like the Spiral movie, it almost felt like a fan film. And it felt like you were watching a fan film in the theaters. And uh, I just, I don't know what they could do, where they could go from here, unless they try to do another prequel and bring back the original, uh, like Tobin Bell, to reprise his role again. Yeah, well, yeah, like one thing's for certain, I don't want to watch the entire movie with like clues filled with something that Tobin Bell's character Jigsaw left behind and then have that weird thing at the end where it's like and it's just like actually everything you just watch for an hour and 25 minutes is fucking pissed away because we're gonna fuck this up <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> that audio Tyler that was actually really fucking good like that should be the music yeah. for the film <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> they actually hire me instead of like actually having somebody do the score next time they're just gonna have me like hum it in the background and it's gonna be a musical comedy there it is that's what they need to bring the series back i think with the saw it's getting outplayed like uh fast and the furious i mean how many are you going to make i mean how many can you possibly really make which i as you mentioned, I really enjoyed the first one. The first one is obviously the best. It's when I first saw that in theaters, I I was shocked with the the approach of the movie and like the killer being inside the room. I just thought it was genius. Um, and you know, I don't know if you guys, I mean, did you all see the Spiral movie with uh, uh, Chris Rock or uh, yeah, Chris Rock? Yeah, I, I saw not, it. I did. I did not hate it. I didn't absolutely hate it it wasn't like the best movie but i think the worst saw movie out of the whole franchise maybe five or six they they weren't yeah five was pretty bad now i'll tell you what was it saw 3d or something like that final chapter or something i, I believe 
Saw wow. 3D. Saw 3D, yes, the final chapter. 3D. Saw 7 3D, the final chapter. Saw the yes. final chapter 7 3D. <laughs> How many games are they going to have for that, right? Um, no, that was stupid when you say it out loud. <laughs> what? It, it's like, what in the hell is the name? <laughs> like, what are y'all doing? Uh, but um, I'm curious. I, what I was reading up on, the... It doesn't give much information, but as of right now, it looks like it's going to be a prequel before, you know, the original first. So who knows if that is true and who knows if that source is accurate or not. But I was just kind of Googling uh, information about Saul 10. And it's one of the main things uh, about what the, the movie will be. There is no plot or nothing like that for right now. But it did mention a possible prequel, uh, prequel b- before you know. But in what order is it going to be the, before the very first one, or so? Who knows? Um, but yeah. I do um, like. Yeah, I was going to say I, I I do like the original first one, second one, third one, but I just don't know what else they can do with this. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, we, I feel like we've already kind of seen every prequel that we would need for Saul to tell the story. So how is it going to be a prequel to the prequel that already basically told us everything that Saul's about anyway? So do we need to go back before that? And all I can think of is maybe like going back to like, I don't know, 3000 BC to the very first like fucking like murder that was done. And like, this is actually where Saul got his inspiration or something. Like that. I don't know. It's just like Saul 26, the final chapter of 8D. Dude. <laughs> Yeah, so it's they're just playing like, it know, out pretty far. It is. I mean, I know that people listening to this is probably like, well, guys, I mean, like, that's literally every other horror franchise in the entire world. They just keep playing until people stop watching it eventually. But the problem is, is that people literally have stopped watching Saw. It's just like, okay, we get that every single other film is being completely you know, overplayed, but you know, fucking um, Scream 5 actually drew asses to the seats. So why can't you just let something that absolutely doesn't attract anybody back to the theaters anymore, just kind of like rest for a while and then maybe consider coming back in a decade in which, okay, yeah, again, there's a valid point that they brought back Spiral after how many years or like, you know, after like what was like eight or nine years we've seen Spiral. So I know they did like rest it for a while, but you know, I think the only way that the movie can make any money, it doesn't even have to be good, but it would have to be the marketing behind it because they would. a lot of people are wanting to return to theaters nowadays because everything opened back up and you can actually go to theaters. So having it be the first film, the first Saw film to, to be in theaters since the pandemic and they can market it as you know a return to, it must be Halloween or it's Halloween, so it must be Saw again, you know? Yeah, I mean, if we do see moneymaker, if we see like Darren Lynn Bowsman come back to direct as well, I I'll, let me tell you what: if Darren Lynn Bowsman comes back to direct, I will be very very like okay with it. Um, if they had some other director that pops in, I don't know, because you know obviously um, Darren directed Saw two three four. He came back for Spiral. Spiral was an okay entry, so maybe if we see something after that done by Darren Lynn Bowsman. It'd be interesting, but he can't even get Leprechaun that he's been trying to make for like 15 years off the ground at this point. So who knows who's going to be directing it, but it's one of those things that I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I'll watch it, but I don't think I'm going to be excited for it. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. It saw us coming out this weekend. I'll go see it on Matt. Yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. What kind of news have you guys been checking out this week? Well, today uh, was actually National Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. Oh, hey. I didn't know hey. that. Yeah. Uh, how did you guys celebrate it? <laughs> Apparently you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to be like, yeah. actually, guys, I have a surprise for you. And you're like calling somebody's like, send them in. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't have neighbors anymore. They're dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, first of all, no. Chris, there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. I never, this is the first I've ever heard of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. Same, but I saw everybody post stuff saying National Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. So apparently it's a first thing. They just started it. Who knows? I wonder if it's like something to do with the actual like film that I'm missing or we forget. It's like the day like they wrap filming or is it the day like Ed Gein got like it's, arrested? It's the day. It's the day that the film takes place on with the opening scroll. It's uh, August 18th, 1974. 73, right? I remember it was in August. I remember it was like in 73 or 74, but I never can remember the actual date because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like one of those films I, I truly like love and to preserve kind of like the impact it has. I try not to watch it like, but maybe once every five years or so. So I have it. I think the last yeah. time I watched it was last year. So I'll probably watch it again in like four years. <laughs> well, I know the movie came out in uh, 74, but every time I watch or every time I think about what year it came out, I'm like, okay, what does that mean that that took place in 73 when it was filmed or did they actually take it place in the same year it was released? I cannot remember. So I don't know. know I, have to double check. I know we're talking about the movie, um, but similarly on topic, where the hell is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game? Is it like getting pushed right. back again? It's coming. It's a uh, 2023. Damn. I feel like I thought it was supposed to come out this year. Did they push it back? Nope. No, uh, it would never officially have a release date until um, I want to say um, around March of this year or something. And when they released the first trailer is whenever they gave it the uh, 2023 release date. Yeah, maybe I'm getting it confused. I really, so I'm behind on playing horror video games. I have the Evil Dead game. I've never put it in yet. I've been meaning to. Um, I have played, so... There's another one called The Quarry that I want to play that just came out like last month. It has Lin Shay in it, and Lin Shay literally her character they animated in The Quarry looks just fucking like Lin Shay. They did the same thing with uh with David Arquette and Ted Raimi. They're all of those are in there, and they look exactly like themselves. Ted Raimi was like scary. It's like almost like he's like it's it's the visuals are just getting insane with these video games. But I kind of like it because it reminds me of like very. It gives me like slasher vibes, which obviously that's what it is. Yeah. But that said, I think it's just really interesting to see like how realistic the slasheriness is, per se. So I, I think they're really fun. I like I like playing the horror games. Um <clears throat> what was the one that came out that I love? It is um until is it until dawn? Have you guys played that? Until dawn. I think it's yeah. the same people that did uh Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. I have not played, I've only played Dead by Daylight maybe a couple times, like a handful, but I love, love, love Until Dawn. And they have a really cool VR game called Until Dawn, Rush of Blood. That's fun. Have you been playing, um, what have you been playing, Chris? I know you play horror video games a lot. Uh, the last game I played was the Evil Dead game. 
Oh, really? How how is it? Because I know I've seen yeah. some. How games. was that? You know, I was really looking forward to this. Uh, it's a fun game. It's got a lot of characters from the fram- film franchise. Uh, as far as like the the main cast goes, for the for the survivors and also for the demons as well. But there's a problem with it. And even though that it is fun to play and you play it a lot, I don't think the the like the replayability works very well because the more you play it, you do the exact same thing in every single game. And it kind of gets, gets really tiring after a few games. Like I always wanted to turn it off after playing like twice because each game is about 30 to 40 minutes long and you're just, you're, you're done with it. Yeah. That's kind of like how, well, no, not really. I remember last time I put in Friday the 13th, the game, because I, I love that game. I know you love that game too, Chris. Um, yeah. It used to be super, super fun to play, but now I feel like you you wait forever just for like a room to open up, which that's the last time I played it. I don't know if it's changed now or if they've just it's the, off the servers. Is it? Yeah. And then you get kicked off and it keeps on adding like three minutes over and over again. It's like, damn. Jason could have literally killed me like 2,000 times by this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like a waiting game. So, I mean, I'm excited to see because um, Text Chainsaw Massacre, the game I'm pretty sure is made by the same people. So, I yeah. think it'll be fun. I mean, if it's the same people, it'll definitely be fun. So, in honor of the uh, Texas Chainsaw Ma- National Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day, uh, what is your favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre film? easy Ooh, uh man that's um well, i'll tell you what the worst one is uh can we start off with that it's <laughs> short sure. uh we'll go uh it's what is it is it 95 with matthew mcconaughey um the uh third one god which 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 the, which one was that that's the next generation yeah. next generation absolutely garbage i mean awful um you know as bad as it is it's got matthew mcconaughey and yes he does do the all right all right all right line in that oh film oh my gosh <laughs> but the leatherface movie from like 2013 or 14 or whenever that film came out oh um, yeah like the prequel or whatever that movie was awful that was another yeah um I just I don't like the 95 version because uh, Matthew McConaughey's still in his lines. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason. I, w- I would say my favorite, though, would be uh, probably the 2006. Um, what was that? Te- uh, the Texas Ch- Chainsaw Massacre with um, uh, what? what's her name? The actress, gosh. Was it the 2003 um, one? Like that, the one that, um, who starred in that? Shoot. Jessica Bill. Yes, yes, just the bill. Yes. That one. Um, what was another guy's name? Uh, Jessica Bill was in it. Um, Arlie Ermy. Arlie, yes. I thought him as the, the the dad, the sheriff, you know, whatever, played a great role. Uh, especially the super graphical scene with, you know, killing the chick uh, or going to get the 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 chick after she blew her brains out. I thought that was pretty at that moment in time. Very graphical. Uh, I remember seeing that in theater thought and like oh man this is this is crazy and i thought the whole little town vibe was just you know scary you know um gave off a weird vibe but that's probably my favorite one to be honest other than i like it i still like the original original 
Yeah, it, it's good. Um, I think a lot of people give it a lot of crap just because it is a remake. Um, right. But I, I mean, it's it's got some really intense moments. The scene you're talking about with the guy, the sheriff putting the guy in the car and making him reenact the scene and yeah. having the gun held to him. Like, I thought that was really, really intense. And still, every time I watch it, I tense up watching it. Um, but it's it, it's not the best, in my opinion. I really enjoy what some people call a really bad movie, but Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3 from the 90s, um, directed by Jeff Burr. I've always really liked that movie. It's It's got the guy from uh, Dawn of the Dead. I can't remember his name, but uh, he's in it as well. Uh, William Butler, um, who stars in it. Just There's a lot of things going for this movie that I like. And even though some people say it's a really bad movie, it suffered a lot because of it had some uh, problems being made by the producers. Um, uh, Jeff Burr has stated before that when he was making the film, he was trying to do a lot of stuff and the producers were over his shoulders the entire time telling him what he could and couldn't do and removing stuff from him and basically just taking the whole project away from him while he was making it. And it turned out, uh, in his opinion, turned out to be a bad movie because of it. But I, I've always liked it. I've always enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Let me tell you, my favorite one is obviously the first one. Um, I love that movie to death, but you guys got to hear me out on something because I've been thinking lately, and it's going to be very unpopular opinion here probably, but the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Baloney Face. Um, <laughs> I fucking hated that movie whenever I was watching it. And then, okay. It's really my baloney has a first name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pissed. (laughs) Here's the thing. Um, Okay, so the movie ends right, and I couldn't stop thinking about some of the scenes. I don't know what it was, but some of those scenes in there that was like towards the second half, the ending, or whatever. Leatherface was like first like showing on screen in the sunflower field. Something about the imagery there was like really like making me think about it. And the more I think about it, the more I don't hate it. But here's the thing. I'm not saying it's a great film by any means. Um, I would definitely say like it went from like a three, which is like how I felt about it the very first time I watched it. And it's probably went up to like a six now. So I I would encourage everybody to like rethink or maybe like rewatch the newest Texas Chainsaw. The more you say you like it, the more I dislike it. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing, because I, I, I understand like there is a lot to hate about it. And how the fuck did they get the house relocated from like literally like in the middle of this like deserted city? And the guy is like, because that's basically the same house, right? It's it, it looks exactly the same everywhere. Has pretty same pretty close, yeah. So I'm like, okay, it's been completely relocated. We get that. So there's a lot of like plot holes throughout. But there was something very like funny and like watchable about it, especially the party bus scene, which was absolutely ridiculous. I know, but it was kind of like it was like a bloodbath. It was kind of like I mean, I was like, okay, it's kind of fun. So the point of this is, I'm saying yes, it is bad. I do like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, the best. Texas Chainsaw Massacre two had a lot of fun moments. I do think the 2003 remake was also really good. Um, yeah. the fucking one made by the martyrs people um the french um, sisters or whatever i don't know who they are 
they completely butchered it absolutely horrible it was called leatherface chris was talking about i tried to give him the fucking digital copy to that because i didn't want to have to deal with it anymore and he said he already had it and i was pissed because i didn't want to have to <laughs> look at it anymore in the house um but you know i really don't own it i just didn't want the movie <laughs> it's amazing. I, I knew it i knew it <laughs> but yeah overall um texas chainsaw massacre is one of the lesser flawed series like obviously like we every single franchise has a lot of flaws to it if i think about it texas chainsaw massacre overall every single film does have some redeeming factors so it's not as yeah. bad so i agree um i will say though the 2003 version, which uh, I think I said 2006, the 2003 version with Jessica Bills, by far a really, really good one. But can we focus on the kid? Uh, I think the actor's name was uh, David Dorfman or Doth Dorfman. So, such, a creepy, about. such a creepy human being. So, I mean, um, are you talking what, about the, the teeth? Jedediah? Yeah, the teeth. The teeth. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that goes out of history. For having the worst fucking teeth, and I mean like fake teeth in the history of films. And I work in Kentucky and see a lot of customer service and coming in my <laughs> store and bad sets of teeth, boy. But that kid, like, that oh, it's like the it's like the the director was like, okay, kid, you got to put these teeth in so it makes it look like you're you're from <laughs> you know the, a redneck uh, area. Yeah. And the kid was like, but I can't talk in them. He's like, oh well, we're out of time, we're out of money, go do it. Just rather than shut up. We yep. don't have enough uh, money for you to say our bitch about yeah. this anymore. <laughs> uh, yes, man. The teeth were just not done well on, on that that uh, character. Um, but yeah, uh, that that was sorry to interrupt, but that was my 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 moment. <laughs> Le- Leatherface of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the only franchise to have shitty teeth and baloney face in one franchise, and we'll love it. <laughs> So, uh, Mike, what's one of the movies that you watched this week? I ended up watching the newer scary comedy movie on Netflix, Day Shift. Have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'll at least tell you what I thought of it. I guess the first thing that comes to mind, it was a fun movie. It was a fun watch. For anybody who's listening who doesn't know what the movie is, um, it's a Netflix original film uh, with Jamie Foxx playing a character by the name of Bud, who um, during like vampires exist, and during the day he travels around hunting these vampires so he can cut their teeth out because teeth are very valuable on the black market, and he gets himself in some trouble, and a bunch of head vampires try to track him down. And they um, are going to go after him and his family. So he is doing everything he can to stop the vampires. Uh, so that's just the basic plot of the of the film. Um, I had some issues, some of the acting, but like the kills in the in the movie uh, were were really cool. Special effects were really cool. I thought for the most part, um, Jamie Fox is still Jamie Fox, kind of like the. The cool, tough dude, you know, funny. Um, I really like, though, <clears throat> I thought personally who stole the show was uh, Dave Franco. Um, I thought he was pretty, pretty funny. Um, and uh, then what was the actor's name? Uh, was it Steve, Steve Howey? Uh, he was one of the uh, the um, other killers. You know, he came in late in the, sh- the show. I, w- I won't go into detail, but 
uh, one of the vampire killers. I thought he was uh, pretty comical, but overall, a really funny movie, Snoop Dogg. Um, wow. I mean, he's old, but it, he was funny in the movie. Um, so I thought overall, rating-wise, uh, it was a fun watch. It wasn't a great, great movie, but I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 because it was fun. Yeah, so Jamie Foxx is one of the only actors who plays himself in every single role, but is not you, – you don't see him as Jamie Foxx. You actually saw him as that character. Like, yeah. whenever you see, like, a Nicolas Cage movie, you picture Nicolas Cage in every single role. You just That's all you see. But with Jamie Foxx, he's so recognizable as a person. He has that same stamina with him. But I didn't notice Jamie Foxx in this movie. I just saw the character. Uh, I thought he did a really good job with it. And he was really funny at times. Um, the banter back and forth between him and Dave Franco uh, was really funny. Um, mm-hmm. It surprised me. I didn't know that Dave Franco was going to be in it. I really like him as an actor. He's really funny. And yeah. um yeah, just their banter was really entertaining. And as you were saying, the effects were were really good. Um, it was like John Wick meets Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Very good example. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the uh, with the story. I thought the story was okay. It's a very generic story. Um, but the the only thing bad about it, in my opinion, is the ending. It was very rushed as an ending. And a very easy to kind of figure out what was going to happen. I, I called the ending about halfway through the yeah. movie about what was going to happen. Uh, all in all, I, I gave it a uh, I gave it a solid six out of ten. Nice. I'll be you, I'm just going to be the one to say it. Um, I think that the script was probably one of the worst written scripts from a giant budget like action film that i've seen in like five years um i was just on here like as you guys were talking i was like who the hell wrote this anyway tyler tice and shay hatton i've never heard of either of them i don't know what they've written before um that being said though um although i think that the script was absolutely just horrendously written jamie fox really kept it afloat whenever snoop dog came in very solid he's basically just playing himself at this point which is great um so that's a lot of fun it was really funny because i haven't seen him in a horror movie in like what it's been like 15 20 years at least and then we have um dave franco which did an absolutely fantastic job as well so here we have very well to me very well seasoned actors attempting their absolute best they possibly can at a super super horribly written script so like we have like every, nothing. We have a movie that has a really fun and like actiony plot, like Chris said, like with like John Wick. Because I think that a lot of the producers, maybe even the stunt coordinator or something, was part of John Wick. So I got that really well choreographed, like fight sequences, and basically just take the fight sequences and make them vampire like hunts instead. So I was on board with it. I was like, oh fuck yeah, you know. What I mean, like we don't have to watch these people fighting anymore. Now they're fighting vampires. This is perfect. And then they had a lot of comedy written there too. But at the same time, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, you know, it's really just super, super, super like stale, the dialogue is. And let me tell you the exact moment that I figured out that the entire like script was just poorly written. It wasn't necessarily just the performances is whatever the lead woman vampire, I don't even know what her name is in the movies. Heather? 
or something. I don't know. No, you know what I'm talking about. We'll go with Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know what actress like plays her either. Um, hold on, let me find her here because uh, let me pull her up again. Here she is. Is it the moment where she is like, find him? Yes. Bring him, bring him to me or something. Yeah. And she's like, the entire time, she's like, you know, I've been watching. And I'm like sitting here like listening and I'm like, you know, I think that this is absolutely horrible. I mean, she can be tough. She could be a vampire. She could be like a fucking like action hero to like, you know, like antagonize these people. But at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's the point where it's like an intimidating because I mean, I have got to know your character enough. And then not only that, I want to jump ahead one time um, real quick, because I also want to mention this is the same issue I have. So we could talk about either one you guys may have noticed too. But later on in the story, um, Jamie Foxx moves into a apartment complex. And there's one of the vampires that live like next door and he doesn't know. They literally, I can tell 100% they cut every bit of like their scenes together out. I don't know if they thought maybe it was like lagging the pacing of the movie or something, or maybe the running time was going too long, but it basically is on there where they like first meet and they're like, oh my God, you know, we're living next door. Oh, this is great. Can I give you a hand? And then next time you see them, they're like basically just like all over each other, like about ready to like fucking like tear each other up so i'm like okay so we have like this entire romance i guess happening in between these two sandwich like scenes we don't get to see any of those um so that's yeah it, what I noticed. it felt like it felt like a tv series yeah it, it could have yes. been yeah yeah i mean i think oh go ahead tyler well i was just gonna say i don't know if it would have been it really for it felt like a tv series yes but i feel like it would have worked very well as like i mean it's a film obviously but i feel like it works the best as a film i feel like if it was a tv series would be drawn out too much you have to get too much of the mythology i i'll be honest whenever i watch a movie like like day shift like a like a vampire comedy or like fright night i don't care about the mythology of the vampires i don't care if like you know what kind of like weird kind of like story they have woven into this world of vampires they're going into like underworld or like fucking like resident evil or something i'm more so I'm like for it for like the action comedy sequences when it comes like this yeah one of the one of the biggest yeah. plots of the story is the fact that they're working to build vampires that can walk around in the daytime and you yeah. see that happen a little bit, but it's never escalated to the point where it causes any problems for anybody. Right. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I just felt like the story, I think you both kind of hit the topic. Like it was rushed. Like it was, it was kind of rushed. But when we say rushed though, the movie, I was looking it up. The movie wasn't really short either. It was an hour and 53 minutes was as a decent amount of time for a movie. So, I mean, almost a two-hour movie, and I just felt they, they, they could have <clears> – I felt like they could have put together, I guess, in order, uh, just a better plot maybe. <clears throat> but I don't even think the plot was really focused on what made sense. I think it was just like the, un, the, the crazy kills, the comedy on the side – which that is your typical Jamie Foxx movie. Action, funny, action, funny. Really doesn't make any sense. But um, I still think the big, the, 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 what, what saved this movie to me 
was the relationship between Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. I thought their characters together kind of carried it on to an extent. But even then, you didn't even really get them together till like the last 40 minutes of the movie. So I just felt like it was rushed. I felt like if maybe an extra, let's say an extra 20 or 30 minutes with the movie, I would have probably watched it continued because like I said, overall it was a fun watch. Um, But it was rushed. The ending just happened and it was like, it was over. The movie was over. And uh, I was kind of wanting, I was wanting a little bit more or something leading up to the ending more. Um, But it, it, yeah, I mean, it, it just to me, it was rushed. You know what they could have done? Because yeah. I, I think it was a very good length at the end of the day. My issue with it is that maybe if they would have just cut out, like, for example, the the bad vampire clan coming after Jamie Foxx's character, it, they have like seven or eight or even nine meet-ins to where like they're battling and running, battling and running. If they would have just cut like one or two of those out, that would have saved like 20 minutes of screen time right there. And then they could have developed a little bit more because I don't I didn't want to like see too much more story. I just felt like it was so like pieced together that it didn't make sense, like certain like moments. Yeah. So if they would have just cut that short, maybe by 15 minutes less action, and then put in like some more character development and give us some background of why exactly like these people, those people kind of like, or like they are, I guess you would say the vampires. Um, I would have liked it a lot more. I think the length was good, but it's just, yeah. uh, it, it's very hard to pinpoint. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, like I said, it's a very simple plot. It's a very generic plot. Uh, but Jamie Foxx, and like, as Mike was saying, Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco are the two strong points of the film. And I think we needed more time with them. Uh, more banter yeah. with them because every time they were on screen I was laughing at something they were saying or doing and that was the most entertaining part was just having those two together Agreed I mean, I'd, I'd probably give it like I think on, on Letterboxd I gave it a 3 out of 5 so that would be like a 6 out of 10 so I mean I'm, I'm about right where you guys are with it and my issues with it mostly just concern the plot which I think we're all in agreement of but um I would suggest if you guys are listening to this, checking it out for sure. Yeah. What? Why? Why was yeah. Dave Franco like screaming the entire time? <laughs> Every line that he had, he was like, "I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I here?" Like <laughs> all, the whole entire time. Either screaming or peeing. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> the peeing were great. I love that so much. It's kind of like my I did day. like. I did like it. He was like, "Oh no, not again!" <laughs> I did like it. It was kind of com- <laughs> it was comical. It was funny. Yeah, I like. Uh, there's a line in there too uh, where he's like, he's like, uh, Jamie Foxx is telling him that he peed himself, and he's like, "Yeah, it's it's everybody pees himself on the first time when they go, when they go through." And he's like, "Oh, oh really? Really? Did you do it?" He's like, "Nah, but but you did." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was like it's it's, uh, co- it's totally normal. He's like, oh, so you've done it, and he was like, well, <laughs> there there's some good quotes. Uh, you ain't cool I, unless you pee your pants. Pee your pants. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'll also like the quote with the um, uh, the turtleneck. He's like, oh man, I gotta wear a turtleneck, even though I look really good in a turtleneck. It's just not appropriate or something like that. It was really funny. It was really really funny. Yeah, his whole character but, was was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun watch. Definitely worth a watch. Um, I mean, I like. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Nothing, nothing like I said. Academy Award winning, but six and a half out of ten. Fun watch. 
Yep, six out of ten for me. Six out of ten for me as well. What else have you guys? You guys have watched anything else besides Day Shift? Uh, Chris or Tyler, if you um, I mean, I ended up watching a classic in my opinion. Um, I watched The Burbs. Rewatch that, dude. Uh, love, freaking love the Burbs. The Burbs, the Burbs probably, is classic. It's great. I mean, can we just say Tom Hanks, uh, Bruce was it Bruce Dern, um, Carrie Fisher, uh, Feldman. I mean, there there were so many important actors in that movie, um, and it just it, God, it's such a classic. I mean. The whole movie from start to start to finish, hands down. Me personally, I'm, I'm. We've all seen it. I'm sure a lot of people listening in have seen it. Hopefully, um, if not, do yourself a favor and watch this. But I am giving this movie a strong. I love it to death. I give this movie an eight and a half out of ten, just because funny. You know, you got that creepy mood vibe. Um, the the suburbs you know just it, everything was well done in this movie to me personally uh, Mike go ahead and give a description of what the movie is in case somebody hasn't seen it so basically basically Tom Hanks character is taking a vacation um, and he's a staycation I should say I should say and the neighbors the new neighbors move into their suburbs and everybody's kind of getting curious because they give off this creepy uh bob so there uh, um tom hanks neighbors uh kind of get curious i think his neighbors the actors uh was it art um then you have uh mark which was bruce dean um you have ricky which was cory felt i mean cory feldman which was ricky they're all they're all trying to do their you know low-key investigation on the new the new neighbors the neighbors, uh, it was Dr. Warner Klopek, was it? Um, Klopex, yeah. And he, great actor, Henry Gibson. He was the smaller dude, kind of creepy vibe. Um, so they do their own investigation because uh, their one neighbor, uh, what is his name, with the dog. Um, God, I'll look it up real quick. I can't think of his um, name. Yeah, no, no, no. Gordon. Gordon, was it? Or uh, Walter. Walter. Walter uh, goes missing, and uh, they think the neighbors have a kidnapped him, killed him. So they keep going over and doing research, uh, see if they can, you know, get into the house, dig in the backyard. Um, I think one of the funny characters in the movie is Art, played, uh, uh, the uh, the bigger, heavier set guy. I mean, very, very well played, and. Um, come to find out if you haven't seen it i don't want to give a full description on the ending but it's just like neighbors getting together like most neighbors like a neighborhood watch team uh being really really nosy and um all tom hanks wants to do is just relax but then again he gets kind of curious and pulled in by his buddies and i love Bruce pressure oh dude uh super fun watch um like i said it's not like a horror not like a scary scary movie uh, no, it's, it's a straight up comedy yeah, yeah. Is it is it just is it labeled just comedy or it's like a comedy out? with yeah. like light horror vibes, but it's meant to be like, like a comedy. It's like a comedy parodying them. And I love one of my favorite parts of this movie. I think Tom Hanks is in the backyard laying down, drinking some beers, and um, Art comes over and he interrupts. And you know the dog's coming back and forth, and uh, the dog actually has a bone and it's a femur. 
and he keeps throwing it. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, my God, you know, this is this could be Walter. And then they do that scream, which is like, you know, the the, the camera goes in and ah, I think that is one of the most, you know, watching that younger. I, I laughed so hard. Um, but I rewatch that movie every so often because that's that's one of honestly my top 20 movies of all time. I really love the Burbs. I mean, I, I probably definitely put it in my top 50 easily. It's it's definitely my favorite Joe Dante film. And yes. um, Mike, let me tell you, there's this, I have a story with the Burbs. And Chris would know this story because he was actually there at this experience. Um, because, okay, whenever I was a kid, I would I, my like, grandpa would always play like TV. And one day the, the Burbs came on. So I've always liked the Burbs. It's like one of those things that stuck with me. Yeah. <sighs> I've never had the chance to meet Joe Dante um, at this point in my life. It was like probably like five years ago now, four or five years ago. And um, he wasn't supposed to be there. And I went to this convention. So next thing I know, they're announcing the very first day of the convention, whenever we're all already there, that Joe Dante was going to just slide in just real quick. Joe Dante's going to come in and accept an award and kind of like plug his new movie. It was like Camp Coldbrook or something at the time. And um, he had like produced it. And he basically was just there to accept an award from Horror Hound for this generational director and to to see that movie. And then he's going to leave. And that was it. So I was like, Chris, I've got to figure out a way to see Joe Dante. And so I was walking around the convention in the meantime, looking for something I'd have him sign because I was not prepared at all. And it was actually hilarious because I find this like weird, like print out of nowhere for the, the burbs that I, I still have in my room, like hung up. Um, nice. And I go down to where he is and I'm like, I can't find the dude anywhere. I don't know. And I, I don't know if it was Chris who said this or who exactly said this to me, they were like, oh my God, there he is. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I look and Joe Dante like walks right by me. And so here uh, I am, low-key stalking the fucking guy, walking behind him like 10 feet so it doesn't look obvious. Does anyone just like walk up to him? So he, I follow him in the elevator all the way downstairs where he's accepting this <laughs> award. And I'm like, I am so nervous to meet the guy because he's like a very big expert <laughs> of mine that I didn't know what to say. And I was like, I'm going to sit away from him during this. So I was thinking if he was going to be accepting the award and we were actually going to be going into this like little auditorium that was set up for us, he would be sitting towards the front, right? Because he'd be (laughs) accepting the award. So you know what I did? I sat in the very back row. What what happened, Mike? What happened? He, He was sitting right there. Let me tell you. 10 minutes after I set the very back row, it was me and Chris sitting like side by side and we were watching and Chris's wife was there too. And um, next thing I know, Joe Dante opens up the side door and I'm like, oh my God, there he is. I was like, oh shit. And I saw him come around. <laughs> he sat directly in front of me, directly. Shut up. Yes. Shut and up. I was like, oh my God. So then I got like <laughs> overwhelmed and Chris's wife ended up like dragging me to the front and saying, Joe Dante, um, it was like, oh, Joe, is this you? Is this, is this him, Tyler? Is this him? Yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, he loves you so much and he loves all your movies. He wants to know if he can have an autograph. And he was like, oh, what about him scribbled it down? <laughs> and I was going like this shaking as he was like scribbling on the autograph. And then I left and that, that was it. That was the last time I, I saw thought, Joe Dante. I thought you were going to have a panic attack while we were sitting behind him because- dude. 
we sat there and watched like this whole short film with him setting in front of us and I you were just like the entire time you kept looking at me and you're like it's it's, 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 it's Joe Dante that's, that's a Joe, he's sitting in front of us it's, it's Joe Dante I'm like Tyler he's he's probably gonna hear you like back here sweating and calling his name out over and over and over again like, <laughs> like calm down Security. And, yeah, and like uh, we we luckily got to meet him like right at the end when he signed his, um, his poster uh, you know, I, we all shake his hand and, and everything. We're like, we're we're so glad that we got to got to meet you. And he's like, oh, it's good, it's good. I, I'm leaving now, so see you guys. And he, he left <laughs> the convention. So I'm pretty sure we were the only people that got to like get an, an autograph from him. I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure like we were the only people who almost like recognized him. There was like nobody at all. Like he was like walking just gracefully down the entire like convention floors, and people were like, excuse you, kind of thing. And I'm like, bro, that's Joe Dante. Hello. That's awesome. <laughs> and so me and Chris yeah. was like, we were the only ones like freaky out about it. I don't know. That you ever, did, you get, did you get his autograph, Chris? Or was it just me? You just got his autograph. I didn't have anything for him to sign. So I just shook his hand and talked to him about gremlins and told him how much I love gremlins. Be like, um, you know, Joe, we love gremlins. We love it so much, but not as much as critters. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, thank you, Joe, for stealing the idea from Critters and then releasing Gremlins first. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was my Joe Dante story. And it was like literally yeah. one of like the best moments of my life, but also one of the moments of my life I look back at in absolute like terror because I was so underprepared to meet him. And I just literally had to makeshift the entire thing like in 10 seconds. And one thing he said to me, he was actually good. Good news was he was a nice guy. Yes. And he was complimenting me on my burbs poster. And he was like, Oh, the burbs poster. I've never seen that one before. And at the end of it, I was like, you know, I never, I don't even know who the artist is. I just grabbed anything I could possibly find because yeah. I literally had a 10 minute notice that you were going to be here. So it worked out. I got my signature. Hey, and people say, pickup. people say that, uh, you know, some celebrities are like, oh, they're so gentle and so kind. No, Joe Dante literally, like when he held his hand out to shake it, he didn't squeeze. He just held it there and like motioned it up and down. It was really strange. He was <laughs> very, very gentle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, great was, director great. definitely great, great director yeah, oh, yeah. I, I fully agree yes yes yeah, yes, the burbs. yes. so well, I, I would probably give the burbs um probably a seven out of ten I, I really like the movie it's a lot of fun but it's to me it doesn't have a lot of rewatchability uh it's i think just because it's comedy comedy doesn't really hold up after a while if, if that makes sense um so watch it once or twice and then i'm kind of good so i kind of give it a, i just give it a seven out of ten yeah, i'm with mike on it i think I'm, I'm closer than nine out of ten just because you have to understand too um i had like that young emotional kind of connection to be able to like watch yeah. it and laugh with it and be able to like see it over and over and over again so and then as an adult it's like well this movie is just like i could see how it's not going to work for some people um, later on but for me, it's just like, I guess, like the nostalgia part of it really connected yeah. to it to where I really dig it. And it's, it, it's just, it is fun too. And Bruce Dern gives a killer performance. Carrie Fisher's great in it. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. But um, I actually saw the switching completely gears here too, because I watched a movie, Santa Sangre. I think I mentioned it last week. But I, I wanted to go ahead and go a little bit deeper in detail this time because it's a movie that I feel like is somewhat underrated. I think the people who do watch it kind of see it for the art form it really truly is. 
but um now this was one of those movies that was like banned from like south africa or something like that wasn't it um yeah i think it was actually it was i don't think it was one of those that was um part of the complete like what was the video nasty run or anything like that i know it did receive here's the thing people who initially watched this film hated it um it was not received very well um it got an nc-17 rating which was very very frowned upon at the time a lot of countries just didn't understand exactly what um, the director was trying to do and when i say director i mean alejandro janowski which is to me one of like it is he's, he's a director that a lot of people probably don't really get behind because he's one of those directors that does a lot of avant-garde stuff um he directed el topo which was fantastic he directed The Holy Mountain, which was, in my opinion, complete art. Um, and then Santa Sangre was one of those movies that I had seen a few times halfway through, but I never really sat down and understood fully what the director was trying to do. So I got the new um, Severin Blu-ray, whatever it came out, and I finally popped it in last week or about a week and a half ago and sat down to watch it. And it's it's honestly, it's horrific. So it is definitely strong horror. And it may actually be Jodowowski's, um like scariest, creepiest horror movie to date. Um, mm. And the thing is, is like, when you look at it, it's it's one of those like weird coming of age horror stories as well. So you see like the, the coming of age horror that we get today, like with like movies like Raw or, you know, just different kinds of like examples there. But this is a coming of age movie that was told in such an unconventional way. It was really interesting to watch. Uh, basically what it is, is it's a circus, like a, like a bunch of circus performers is about ready to lose their big top. And that big top is called Santa Sangre. And what happens is basically our main character, I forgot, if, maybe look at the kid's name here real quick because I have it up here. There it is, um, Phoenix. Phoenix is a little kid. And he basically is losing his innocence because he accidentally comes across seeing his parents having sex. And the way this is overlaid is done so like tasteful because at the same time, like you hear like the moans coming, it's like overlaid with an elephant that's in pain. And then basically from that, it was in the special features talking about how that directly represented how he was losing his innocence because the elephant that was in part of this big top that was getting destroyed was also like suffering and dying and you it like overlaid with like you can see the elephant with like blood coming out of its trunk and then you can see wow. um, Axel the little kid like watching his like you know parents have sex so we have these two complete like kind of like kinder trauma style events happening to where you can see like the loss of innocence with the like kind of sexuality this is how it begins basically moving along his um his mom ends up getting well this is a spoiler but i would i'm just gonna say because it's very very like interesting stuff happening but his parents um both end up dead his mom gets brutally murdered and this causes him to go absolutely insane he ends up like in a, in a mental hospital and the way his mom was murdered is they chopped her arms off. So all it's left is like a torso and her legs. Um, so what happens through this like delusion is our main character Axel basically becomes like almost like obsessed with the idea of his mother and kind of like his past 
and being able to like perform at this like the level he used to because now he obviously is locked up in a room so he begins envisioning in his own head a kind of like idea of him being able to use his hands to control his mother so he starts seeing like illusions and kind of like apparitions of his mom and he basically wraps his arms around her and like does all her arm movements and motions for her and yeah it's really creepy the entire thing is and like you see him like try to like you know find like his his self basically in this and he's completely lost the entire time and something that's really interesting too is his mom tells him you would never be anything without me you know you you would never be able to succeed without me you can never you know love without me basically you need me for everything and he was kind of like almost like norman bates-esque it was very like yeah and like the imagery in this was very very powerful too because the way it was like portrayed was also kind of like psycho-y which is very interesting because this was made like 15 years after so i don't know if jenawaski kind of saw some of the imagery that was shot in psycho and kind of paid homage or if it kind of like means something a little deeper but it felt very psycho-like at this moment and pretty much um fast forwarding to the end because there's a lot of really interesting stuff that happens um and i don't want to give away that kind of like artistic approach they had because it's very poetic at that moment but the last scene i just want to say was mind-blowing and i was like almost like emotional at the end because it was so like you basically follow this kid through his entire life and got to see kind of like all the bad things that happened to him and kind of like his need and want to be able to be better than what he was, but to know that he'll never know anyone or anything outside of his like little world that he lives. And at the very end, he sets the place he's living on fire and you can see the apparition of like death that had been following him as like a ballerina the entire time. And he they he basically come up with a bunch of police cars and they're like put your hands up put your hands up now and so phoenix like raises his hands like this and then he says my hands and he's like these are my hands kind of thing so at that moment you're like well he's completely disconnected himself from the life he knew and he's truly became his own person at that and i think that's really interesting although he's like his life was basically like confided and it's pretty much over at this point because of the arson situation you kind of get to see like him like saying this is me i am letting go of my past and i've finally like grown up and grown into who i am so it was really good um i would a hundred percent suggest if anybody hasn't seen it to pick up that copy of severin because severin did a fantastic restoration on this I think it's available in 4K too. It's never looked better. Um, it's beautifully shot, artistic, poetic. It's, you know, it, it deals on grief and loss and growing up and kind of letting go of the past. So it's one of those films that's really kind of like heavy, but it's something that definitely is fun. So um, my rating would those... probably be like an eight out of 10 easily. Go ahead, Chris, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It was one of those movies where, I when I went to the video store to rent these films as kids, it was always sitting on the shelf to rent. But the art was just that, like the guy standing in the middle with in the white background, uh, with his like hands up toward either over his eyes or over his head or something. And yeah, and 
it just never really interests me. I, I saw the artwork and I was looking at other artworks for movies and stuff and they always seemed more intriguing. So I never picked it out. I never watched it. And even to this day, I still haven't seen the movie. But I vividly remember seeing that artwork all the time and just like always looking at it and then just choosing not to, to watch it. Yeah, I mean, the artwork definitely doesn't do it justice. I think that's still the artwork they used with the seven release. They did like color it a little bit more. But, you know, I think the film, like the filmography, it's not the filmography, but the cinematography, rather, I think it was right up there next to something that like a Giallo would do. Very, very colorful, very, like very intricate set designs, very expensive. So it's definitely one of those that's very misleading with that. Um, But I was the same way. It definitely does not do it justice. The artwork does it. But um, it's one that I would 100%. But here's the thing. The first 20 to 30 minutes, I was like, I didn't really understand what was going on because it does get kind of confusing because it does use a lot of like, you know, metaphors. Um, It uses a lot of like different kind of like personifications and it has like a lot of like foreshadow as well. So it has like all these like storytelling mediums. that's very like difficult to follow all thrown into one. And it is considered an avant-garde film. So you have to go in knowing, hey, I'm watching an avant-garde film because definitely is not told conventionally whatsoever. So it's it's kind of a hard watch, but it's one to for sure see. Um, and El Topo, which was also by him, I mean, it's right up there with that, which is considered like his most masterful work. So overall, it's it, it's pretty good, but just always remember that that's what that kind of is it's kind of like a really right. strange film it's good it's very good completely different than the burbs for sure mike <laughs> <laughs> well i was i was watching the trailer i was just kind of watching while you were talking about it. it it's very yeah very i don't know artsy i i, I shouldn't say that it's very odd but it, it's it has my attention so i'm watching like the circus I'm watching the the woman with the no arms, I guess the mother. And then the son, I'm assuming, is I guess guiding her or helping her. I'm just kind of like briefly watching this. So yeah, it's it will be on my list. I'll watch this before the before our next meet. It it's definitely something I'm curious about. And all the reviews on it are really good. I've been reading them. It's considered a masterpiece. It really is. I mean, I would hundred percent agree. And I, like I said, when I first started watching it, I was like, how does people consider this a masterpiece? But it, it definitely is. And I don't really yeah. want it. The questions I had about it, I really don't want to know the answers to because there are some things I'm like, I don't understand this and this. It's one of those things where I just want to go back to it in a couple of years and watch it again and just see if I can pick up on more additional things because it's saying so much on so many different levels. And it's not one of those movies you want like somebody to say, oh, this is what it's supposed to mean, or that's what it's supposed to mean. It's like one of those things yeah. where you want to find out yourself and just take it away. I, it's definitely on my watch list. I will be watching this within within the week. I'll, I'll definitely watch this. I'd like definitely to see it too. Out. Yeah, let me know what you think of it next week. For sure, absolutely. But did you guys see, so speaking of like watching um, – different things um on netflix this week we've watched some things on blu-ray um i know this fall one of the things i'm going to be doing is spending a lot of time on netflix because they've literally been like pumping out a bunch of horror announcements have you guys seen that it's been like literally we had um we had wednesday the teaser trailer for it come out and then at the same time like a day before wednesday's teaser trailer came out for the adams family with jenny ortega um what else was it it was um 
The Cabinet of Curiosities, which was a book by Guillermo del Toro. And basically, he's been wanting to do this, he said, for a very long time, to have a TV show that kind of goes through different kinds of stories from his Cabinet of Curiosities book that he was, you know, he published, I think, back like 2016 or 2015. And I guess now it's coming to Netflix. So Netflix has picked up a ton of horror stuff. So um, I've been watching a lot of Tubi recently because they have so much streaming stuff on there. There's so many varieties to choose from. I mean, we have brand new movies. You have Tubi originals. You have classics and then like low budget independent films. And I find myself just going through, looking through at all the different movies they have and just randomly choosing movies at times. And uh, I, I watched a movie last night. It was called The Resonator, Miskatonic You. I know it's a strange title, but um, it fits right in with the actual company that released it, which is a uh, Full Moon release. So Full Moon is actually partnered up with uh, Tubi. So they actually have a lot of their a lot of their movies, a lot of their shows and stuff debut or will go straight to, to Tubi for a while before it goes to like Full Moon streaming service. Um, but the movie is about this uh, this young guy. He's, he's in college. And uh, his dad used to be a, a, a professor there, I believe. And he was a scientist who was trying to study the, like the research of um, different realms and just different types of, of like alt, um, alternate universes and everything. And so he's trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. And there's a machine that they deem the resonator that gives people the ability to see through to those alternate universes but by being able to see those also creatures from that alternate universe can also come through and uh, if you get close to them or if they touch you then they're very deadly but it also predicts the future as well so it gives you like it lets you see certain things happen um, just before it happens and he brings on a few of his friends to show them what he's been working on because they've all been worried about why he hasn't been around for a while. So he shows them. And of course uh, it doesn't go according to plan. Um, there's a professor that's there as well that catches them uh, in the act of what they're doing. And there's all kinds of like little, there's like three or four different types of creatures that end up coming out from the resonator. Uh, but they're not really the main focus. They're just kind of there as like a subplot. Uh, the main plot just being the other professor wants to get that machine and, and, and do the research himself and take credit for everything. Um, it, it was actually a fun movie. I was very surprised by it. I The effects weren't very good. Uh, the The creatures and stuff, you could easily tell that they were very, very like low budget puppets. Um, but it's full moon, so they, they they covered it up with this weird, like bright pink, uh, like lighting effect that fit over the video. It was like done in post production, so it was very odd to look at because you could tell it was just a very like very bad editing effect that was done over top of the actual effect. Uh, so it was very odd to see it. But um, since they weren't the main plot of the story, it didn't bother me too much. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it and one of the things that happened is apparently this is supposed to be the first in a trilogy, I believe, uh, that reintroduces the Lovecraftian tale of Herbert West from the reanimator franchise. Oh, that's interesting. 
and he actually actually shows up uh, as well to let you know what's what's going to be coming through through the trilogy. It's actually really interesting because I'm I'm wanting to watch Herbert West comes. So the character Herbert West exists in this. Yes. No way. Yes. Oh, yes. That's kind of interesting. And as I was saying, the movie's done by uh, Full Moon Entertainment, so it's produced by Charles Band. Uh, it was directed by William Butler, uh, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, who was uh, he was an yeah. actor in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Not a Living Dead 1990, uh, Ghoulies 2, Friday the 13th Part 7. Uh, the list goes on. I, he's actually a really cool guy. Uh, met him before. Um, he's done a lot of horror films. And he continues to to write and direct films, and uh, he works a lot with with Full Moon now. And I think he did a film called or a TV series called Baby Oopsie, which is like a spinoff from the Demonic Toys franchise. Um, so it's it was definitely interesting as far as like the behind the scenes of it of who was working on it. But the movie itself is actually a fun watch. It's not very long; it's only a little over an hour long, uh, like an hour and like five minutes or something. Uh, but the most interesting part of it is what is to come after this film, um, because I'm really interested in the Herbert West and and where that story is going to go, because I love Reanimator and I'm I'm curious at what they're going to do with that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, hell yeah, definitely. I would recommend it to people who who like the the low budget uh, films. You you like a little bit of cheese with it. You don't mind bad acting because the acting is not very good. Um, as you know, that's the kind of movies I like. Um, and also, you got to remember it's, the effects aren't that good because it is a full moon feature. But I would probably give it a, a five out of ten. Uh, it's nothing special. It's not bad, but it's not like great either. So, yeah, you have me on. Um, you have me sold with the Herbert West thing because I absolutely love Reanimator, Brighter Reanimator. I think that those are like among some of the best horror films um, of all time, really. So I think it's really interesting to because I had no idea that you were going to say Herbert West when we were talking about that, especially like Full Moon. I don't know. It's it's, it's really interesting. So um, I'm guessing we might see some more of the character, um, like yeah. you said, in the future. So that makes me kind of want to watch it, even though I thought you were just going to say horrible things about it. You actually you were like, oh, <laughs> Herbert West. It's like, okay, well, now I'm definitely kind of on board with it. So for sure. I think it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's not bad. You had me at bad acting. I'm all for that. So I'm definitely <laughs> like I love. Yeah, I get it. I love cheesy, like all like the acting's not up to par, but it it, it catches my attention. And I was watching the trailer on that. It it's I mean it's kind of cool looking. It's kind of cool looking. I'm gonna give it a shot for an hour. I mean I yeah I'll definitely give it a watch. I kind of wish that they would have stuck with just the regular title of the Resonator instead of calling it the Resonator Miskatonic U, just because the word Miskatonic is just such an odd name. And I think it kind of draws out the, when you hear it, it kind of, it's off-putting. It doesn't make you really want to watch it just because it already sounds like it's bad. Yeah. Well, the poster for it is actually pretty cool. I mean, like the cover, like for the movie, I mean, it's, it's, it's not bad. Yeah. You see the poster and you, it it, it kind of, it kind of looks like the those little creatures are the focus point of the film, but really they're not. They're they're, they're just pretty much the subplot. They're, they're not the main story of it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I recommend it. I I think uh, out of you two, I think Mike, I think you would probably like it more than than Tyler would. Um, but 
like I said earlier, I, I'm interested in seeing where the story goes just because of the introduction of, of the Herbert West character. Yeah, yeah and, and is sold, this yeah. is this recently new? Um, like, has, how long has this been out? I think 2021, mm-hmm. and then the sequel I think it's called Beyond the Resonator is uh, 2022. It's already out, so I'll probably nice. check that out this week, and we'll I'll talk about it on the next week's episode. Nice. Oh. I got two two things to look forward to watching. I'll I'll definitely check these out and give you guys my reviews. Well, I think it's really yeah. interesting too, Chris, um, that you mentioned Full, Full Moon. I talked to like a lot of the guys from Full Moon. You talked to the guys from Troma a lot at conventions. Um, I knew Full Moon streaming services were like existing. I've never tried it. I don't know if you guys have either tried the Full Moon streaming service, but I think it's really interesting to see like the Full Moon streaming service itself kind of like come to fruition. I wonder how it's doing. Because last I heard, I know Troma's still at it, but I knew Full Moon, what I thought was slowing down a lot. Like they're on their production of films. Like they're making less and less films moving forward. And it kind of just most likely. They don't make as many movies these days, but they do. uh, I do keep up with Full Moon. Um, They do a lot of stuff on the Full Moon streaming. I don't, I haven't subscribed to it. So I'm not sure how like the layout is or how the films are on there. But um, they are partnered not only with that, but they are partnered with like Blue Underground, who all of those films are also on there. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it goes to the extent of a little bit more than just Full Moon. Um, but I mean, the, uh, to me personally, I don't really see a need to do Full Moon because almost all the films that they have is on Tubi because they have that deal with them as well. So until that hmm. stops i probably will and if anybody that does want to want to sign up for it i know that they do this thing now where anybody who signs up for full moon streaming they give them like uh i want to say like 10 free blu-rays or something in the mail just for subscribing no way for, yeah i know it so it's a good deal but i just never really needed the service so we well, yeah, i never really hear people talk a lot about the full moon streaming service i know that i mean obviously full moon itself people will talk about that still a ton but um i've always been kind of curious somebody who actually has tried full moon streaming services because whenever it first came out it was kind of like getting a lot of hype but then it kind of just like nothing it just kind of stopped and I personally wouldn't want to just subscribe to a service because of the full moon um, films that were on there. But if it has other kind of like studio films, it might kind of be worth it too. But I yeah. know like, for example, like Troma has been doing some really strange stuff lately. Um, I actually was listening to, I forgot who was talking about it, but they were saying that Troma has a film now directed by a 13 year old girl. I forgot. Really? I forgot exactly. yes. really? I'm not kidding. Um, it was um Lloyd Kaufman, somebody who worked directly with Lloyd Kaufman, knew this girl, and she was like 13 years. If somebody's listening who wants to like come onto our like Facebook page or something and tell me what this movie is, because I completely forgot. But they were talking about how this film was being directed by a 13-year-old girl like a year or two ago, maybe like right at the beginning of the pandemic or something. And I was like, man, that's something really interesting to see how a, not just like a film, I'm like specifically saying because of trauma, being able to see an actual trauma movie made by a 13-year-old girl. So um, I think that's kind of interesting. (laughs) But yeah, because of Herbert West, I'll definitely, I'll check that out for sure. Because I love Reanimator. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. um, Mike, have you watched anything else? 
Um, not since our last um, podcast, but I think I mentioned um, I did watch a couple weeks ago uh, World War Z, and I only saw that movie one time in theaters. Never kind of watched it. Went you know for a long time, and it and I and I caught it. Um, yeah, you know I watch I watch a movie with my daughter usually once a week or once every other week. And that was one of the movies that came up and I forgot, man, that movie is, is it's a really good zombie movie. I, I, I did. I enjoyed it. And I'm not a huge Brad Pitt fan, but I thought that movie was just well played out. Um, it wasn't too over the top, but then again, it was, it was kind of a mixture, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, world war Z. I, I watched that here uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure you have. Uh, what's your all's view on World War Z? I've actually not seen it. Uh, I'm not a big oh. fan of Brad Pitt. And Same. The fact that the movie, I think, is like over two hours long it was very off-putting as well. And I'm not a fan of like the, the super fast um, just CG zombies. Like it, That's just what it all it reamed out to me was just that type of movie where – did not have any interest in watching it but i have heard good things about it so i think it may surprise you chris um yeah you may dig it um i haven't watched it since it was on theaters but it was i remember from what i can remember from it it's been like what 10 years since i've watched it or more it was very dark the the gore was very very it was pretty it was pretty there um, it was kind of slow at times, which is kind of funny because they're fast moving zombies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember enjoying it. It's one that I definitely would rewatch if the sequel ever actually gets Came made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've been talking about the sequel since like two years mm-hmm. after, and they're like, David Fincher is going to direct it, guys. Wait, never mind, David Fincher isn't going to direct it. We're looking for a director. Carrie Fukunaga wasn't a director. Wait, no, we're going back yeah. to David Fincher. <clears throat> oh, no, wait, we're not making it at all. Wait, David Fincher said he wants to make it, so I don't know what's going on with it. But um, I remember that it was it was very it was it was kind of refreshing because the zombie um, subgenre at that point was kind of becoming exhausted. I've, I mean, kind of it's kind of weird because Zombieland came out. You remember yeah. whenever that came out, like what 2009? and the moment Zombieland came out, <laughs> 20, 20, That's a way far in the future, there, Tyler. <laughs> um. But if, it was kind of weird because wasn't so World War Z? Help me out, guys. So I think World War Z came out right before, right after Zombieland. They were right think, in the I, same area. I think it was right, right after. wasn't very close. I, I believe. Now I could be wrong. I know that no matter what, I know they were within like a, a year or two of each other. So we were at the moment with zombies that zombies wasn't like scary anymore necessarily, and everything that Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Land of the Dead. All these films were basically just in the past. People were they were not a hot subject or anymore. Um, and then Zombieland comes out. People's like, this is fucking hilarious. We love Zombieland. And everybody was quoting the movie. People were buying the merch. I our theater literally had like a zombie walk that like took place for Zombieland, and it was this big thing. And people were like having a great time with it. And then a year after, people were kind of like, you know, zombies are low-key we can make a comedy out of them 
well they came with a super dark super edgy style like film with world war z so i think it's really interesting to see that a, a series that should never been made to begin with um kind of exists now if you could call it a yeah. series of the second whenever it gets made i don't know but yeah i mean chris i would i would suggest i think you might like it I would yeah say Go ahead, Mike. Oh no! Uh, the only the only thing I was going to say, I know, like you mentioned, the the fast paced zombies, but and I get it. It's it's a it's a turn off when you think of like zombies running or zombies being super quick. But this movie really does it. Like it's 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 different. Um, <clears throat> the fast paced running zombies, like sporadically, you know, uh, working yeah. together. Yeah, like the. Very, that I think that was awesome how they created that. Um, but it does it for me. And then the, I don't want I don't want to ruin it without you seeing it. But it's really cool on what the zombies will attack and what zombies won't attack. And it's very smart how the director put this into the movie because you you know um, I mean Tyler, if you remember the zombies won't attack a certain, a certain individual basically. Um, and I thought it was very creative, kind of like, you know, they didn't have to have a certain, you know, <clears throat> strange formula. They, they needed, you know, to kind of make something to prevent things from spreading. And I thought it was really cool. Um, so yeah, very dark, had, had the right amount of action, kind of the adventure movie in a way. Um, and then you had the mixture of horror, and uh, it, all three of those played a very well part into the, the World War Z. And uh, I, I was a really big fan of this movie, and I, I didn't love it, but I still gave it a pretty solid rating. I gave this movie a seven out of ten, just because of everything that was involved in the movie just bounced off each other, each other, and, and played a, a very good. Came out to be a very good movie. Nice. I'll I'll definitely add that on there as a list of watch. Um, Tyler, have you, is there anything else that you'd watched, or should we move on? Um. Well, yeah. There is one more movie I was gonna I was gonna mention that I watched this week. Well, not this week, but um, have you guys gone around and watched the Black Phone yet? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Chris, you need to watch it. What I think actually, it's coming on vod soon so yeah if you wait around like a week or two um we may have like another viewing party here because i want to see it again um i thought it was actually really really good i don't i'm not gonna spoil it because i think chris would absolutely even more than nope that we talked about last week yeah i know that chris is going to like the black phone i just know it um i want to say i will say this will this won't give anything away um it remind it felt like Scott Derrickson was going back to his sinister roots. It felt very much like almost like Joe Hill was like next to Scott Derrickson, guiding his hand on trying to make a Stephen King adaptation with like sinister roots thrown into it. And I was like, what the this is literally perfect. I had some issues with it. I'll bring it up whenever you watch it, Chris, next time. But um very very small issues. Um, I will save it though. I won't. I won't go any further. But I am. Yeah. I'm excited. You got to see it. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll say what. Real quick before we end the podcast tonight, guys, uh, again, like we did last week, I would like each one of us to throw out a movie that we really like that is considered very underrated that we can just let our listeners know that they should check out uh, real real quickly. Um, I'll go first. And the, the choice that I choose is a movie called Silent Predators. Uh, it was a made-for-TV movie back in the 90s uh, about a local sheriff who teams up with uh, members of the, of the community to stop a breed of mutated snakes that can kill people in one bite. Um, very fun. They use real snakes. Um, very simple story. Um, I don't think there's any like real big name actors. Really, it was like an ABC TV movie of the week or something. Um, but just uh, all around, just a very fun little snake movie. I thought it was really enjoyable and I've always liked it. So I, I would recommend that one. Um, going on my Severn kick, um, I would suggest everybody watching Santa Sangre if you have not watched it already. I know it is popular and it has a cult following, but it definitely is underseen for what it is. But um, I will piggyback off that to also mention there was a film that was only available in VHS up until literally this April. And that is the film Eyes of Fire. Eyes of Fire is from the 1980s. It was lost to VHS. Um, really, really bad um, transfers of the film existed all the way up until this year. Um, and it is available separately. And it's also available on the full core set from Severin. That's called, um, oh my God, what is it called? I, I forgot exactly the name of the box set. But you guys know, you, if you guys collect movies, you definitely know what the box set is. You probably already have it in your collection. And it's definitely one to see. What the hell, Chris? No way. Did I did I give you that? Oh, or did you already have that? It's it's a beautiful it. This is the bootleg copy. Yeah, 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 the yeah. official copy. Because I, I know I, I always get rid of my bootlegs as soon as I have it available. That's the that's the bad thing about collecting too, is like you have to always try to track down that movie. You can't find the movie, it's only available for like two hundred dollars. Then you have to settle to get the bootleg, which I absolutely hate doing, but sometimes you have to. But um I was probably ready to upgrade eyes of fire i did it and i say everybody who likes folk horror movies witch movies definitely check out eyes of fire that's my heart nice mike um well it, I, I wouldn't say it's a very underrated movie um and i'm sure you guys as well have seen this but another movie that i really enjoyed um because it kind of gave the I know, 90s vibe in a way. Um, it follows. Um, I was a I was a fan of that movie. Um, I thought um, you missed it last week. Did I? Did I really? I'm so- <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, then uh, scratch that. Then let's go with uh, something <laughs> that I think it's a very underrated movie. Uh, hey, let, one of my daughters. Hey, listen. <laughs> wrong turn. Faculty. Wrong turn. <laughs> the, the, the wrong turn. The first one, uh, of course. All the uh, wrong turn. Um, it was a. Uh, obviously, it wasn't like the best of the best, but I haven't watched it for so long. And probably about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, my daughter and I watched uh, the original Wrong Turn, and uh, you know, uh, out of this world, over the top you know, things that happen, obviously, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this as well, but, uh, wrong turn. Um, I'm not going to say it's, it's a definite, like go buy the DVD or Blu-ray, but it's, 
it, it's one of the good ones. And, you know, in that, in that time frame, you know, it's about West Virginia, an area in West Virginia, um, which, you know, I live in. So that's kind of a cool take on the movie. But, um, yeah, so uh, wrong turn. You know, I think it's a underrated um, overall. I'm not giving it like a seven or an eight, but I give it a five and a half, a six. I mean, it's it's like I said, it's your typical slasher inbred <laughs> movie. But, uh, you know, I think I have a few neighbors that kind of look like the people that starred in it. So <laughs> watch the remake. Another, it's not, it's not another remake. Have you watched Wrong Turn? Yes, the one that came out last year, two years ago, or something like that in that time frame. I haven't seen it, so don't spoil it. I will not spoil it, but I like the way they went with it. Uh, I Like, my thing is, everybody was watching it wanted, like, just the inbred, you know, kind of over-the-top. Um, God, I w- w- Lax, I wish you were here. Or yeah, I wish you have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> watch that. Do watch that, and then let's talk about that maybe next week. Uh, the, the yeah. new wrong... <laughs> You're not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> Don't watch I, it. I love you too much, Chris. You, you, there's better ways to spend your time. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, honestly though, I I never mind i can't say anything because it'll spoil it i chris would have to watch it first but i just don't un- I, no i can't okay i won't say it yeah <laughs> but it's yeah uh, you but, definitely well we got some it. really cool titles mentioned we got eyes of fire we got silent predators we've got um well it follows apparently um and wrong turn <laughs> <laughs> guys check oh. those out <laughs> one and, more thing uh, too. We, yeah sorry um anybody who collects movies um if you've stuck around this long make sure to check out i'm gonna i'm gonna plug them because i love them vinegar syndrome is having their Summerfest 2022 sell it's their 80 million sell i know um this year but they do have new titles coming out um you know those partner labels are going to sell out so definitely check it out because at midnight it's going to be probably whenever this episode comes out it's it's already out yeah so definitely check out Vinegar Syndrome before that goes away because we're literally already in it at this moment. So don't forget. All right. Sorry. All right so <laughs> want to thank everybody for listening again. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, definitely, if you guys are listening to uh, comment on our videos, uh, our YouTube videos, um, or the Facebook page where we share it at, comment and talk to us about the movies. I mean, you don't have to agree with us. You can tell us that you don't like our, uh, the movies that we chose or, or our ratings for them or anything. Just just have some fun horror conversations with us. One of us will always reply back to it. Um, so thank you guys again for listening and continue to listen. And uh, hopefully you guys like it. So with that, we see you all next time. <laughs>